Hello, good evening, and welcome to the locker room here on Indie Live Rego, the number one sports show every Friday night between six and seven. Don't forget, you can email us your point of view. Um, uh, email us at the locker room Live at gmail.com. That's locker room Live at gmail.com and I'm joined tonight by Matthew who else but yes we are are number one for sports so I can only imagine how bad the other shows must be (laughs) yeah what other shows yeah (laughs) yeah Um, so it's been a busy busy week for football um, and for Scotland but a very you, you know, compared to last week's show, Matthew, we were a bit on a high, but after the last weekend's, you know, after the Sunday night game and Wednesday night game, it's been a bit disappointing. Have we went back to normal? Yeah, we, we, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, it, we, we've been back to the old new normal, if that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, do you know what? I, I don't feel as bad as a... I mean, normally when Scotland lose and we play badly and... It's just a big disappointment. It's just it's quite hard to take. But actually, you know, even though we lost um, two games in the spin, um, I actually I don't know. Like the Slovakia game was a funny one because we obviously had a lot of changes. Uh, we were coming off a high on the Thursday, um, but we still played quite well. We created a lot mm. of chances, and Slovakia scored with what probably was really their only chance on goal. So, like, I wasn't too disappointed with that one. And then obviously. Wednesday night, I was I was probably more disappointed because obviously we needed to win that. I think to qualify for the Group A of the nation, the nation or sorry, the Nations League, um, and I think I think Scotland had it in their grasp to qualify with those two games and just needed one win or or two draws, and we we kind of threw it away a little bit. But on the other hand, I think it was quite difficult for the Scottish team because. It was really all about last week, and you know Scotland did what they had to do and qualified for Euro two thousand and twenty. And um, I think after that, it was just quite hard to bring yourselves down. Um, but we still played quite well. We created chances against Israel as well. I mean, they never played. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think the disappointment in this match is, you know, after after the games and Sunday and Wednesday, all right, we get beat. But I think you were good, just going to say that we we played well, and I think we actually dominated the game on Sunday more than Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing that if, if we're looking at Euro two thousand twenty now is the is the point that uh, we're we're trying to get towards. I mean. Looking at the bigger picture for for the nations, like the disappointing thing is obviously more we've not co- we've not qualified for the Group A, like I said, and because we've not qualified for Group A in the nations, like any potential World Cup playoff that would have went to possibly a Group A team um, has been taken away from us. So it's one less avenue um, that Scotland have to qualify for, you know, the World Cup. But on the other hand, I think the other next two games, number one against uh, Slovakia obviously showed how big our squad is and how good our squad can be that we can basically make give or take nearly a whole team change and still dominate a team away from home of the standard to Slovakia and then Israel I think Israel showed probably the next challenge facing Steve Clark and I think it's the only thing that possibly we struggle with is how do we score more goals 
Mm-hmm. Um, because I think now we've got a solid foundation. You know, I think we've, we spoke about on Thursday and we spoke about off air that Scotland do have a solid foundation now. We've got a decent goalkeeper. We've got a decent defence who can not only keep the ball out the net most of the time, but they can also go forward and create chances. I think Tierney um, is a is a point there that Tierney, you know, can be a, a left sided centre back. But how many times did him and Robertson combine uh, to cross the ball and? on Thursday, but also on, on God, I'm getting my days wrong, Wednesday there. So I think it is quite solid. Midfield as well, we've got probably the best midfield we've had for a long time. If you think about, you know, Jack and how McGregor as well, how they combined to create a pretty solid midfield that not many people have the better ring of. Then you've got McGinn, who not only can do the defensive part, but obviously creates chances. And he could have scored against Israel. He had a decent chance. Um, I think in both games, actually, Slovakia, um, oh, sorry, not Slovakia, uh, Serbia and Israel, he's had decent chances to score goals as well. So McGinn's obviously in there too. And then up front, obviously, we found someone in Lyndon Dykes who can nearly run his backside off and cover every blade of grass. But the only thing Scotland now miss is a goal scorer. Because Scotland have had a lot of, I mean, five shots on target against Slovakia, didn't score one. They had five corners to one. Um, I think against Israel, you know, they had seven attempts on target. Israel had something like pretty small, like two of which one went in. And they had corner after corner against Israel as well on, on Wednesday night. But once more, you know, we failed to score. Um, I think we've only, I mean, I think that's the problem is that we have only scored, what, three goals in the last, what, six games. So, and you think about the times we've went to extra time, you know, in Israel and Serbia. Um, so, I think I saw a stat the other day, we've scored three goals in 10 hours of football. So, I think, you know, I think we just lack um, a little bit of quality in the third. We've got, like I said, we've got the setup. We've probably got Lyndon Dykes. We just need somebody or the team as a whole to try and, you know, put the ball in the back of the net. Because I think Lee Griffiths, you know, hasn't scored for three years for his country. I know there's been problems in there, but he hasn't scored for three years. Like Burnley's played what seems like about 100 hours of football. I know it's a lot less than that, but it feels like Ollie McBurnley has scored, has played about 100 hours of international football. And he's yet to not only score, but really threaten to score. And Ollie McBurnley, sorry, Ollie Burke came on against Israel. Now, where did he come from? I forgot Ollie Burke was even in our squad. Um, so I think he scored once in like 40 odd matches for, for his club side and country. So, you know, we're, we're, we're just missing that player who's going to consistently score goals. Yeah. And then the question is, who is, who's going to do that? You know, who have we got that's going to do that? Do you, do you think that if we didn't win that penalty shout, Matthew, that Steve Clark would come under a bit of criticism for the fans? I think I think it would have been a big disappointment. I think I think we'd have struggled to come back from that a little bit, you know, even though it was good that we won on penalties and then we went on. I know we lost the next two games, but the Euro two thousand and twenty did qualification did get us through and give us confidence and kind of shot out the, the last two results. But if we lost, then I think the pressure would have been on to have come away from those two games with at least the one that um, that would have meant we were in Group A of the, of the Nations League. But mm-hmm. do you know what? I, I think I think overall there's positives. I think, we, like I said, we look more solid as a unit. We look like we can create chances. 
we've got someone in Dykes who can hold the ball up and um, create space for other players and lay off to other players. We've got him, and that's fine. But we know that Dykes isn't a goal scorer. He's not going to score, you know, 30, 40 goals in a season. He's not going to score a lot for Scotland. So the question is, you know, who's going to do it? I don't think McBurney's an international footballer. No. Um, and it pains me to say it, but I don't. Even if he was doing what, what McBurney's good at, I don't think he's a goal scorer. He's not an answer to our problems. I don't think Ollie Burke is an answer to our problems either. I think what he he's he threatens to be a good player and is threatened to be a good player throughout his whole career, but he's just not managed to make that breakthrough consistently. Um, whether it was at you know West Brom or Celtic or Scotland, he's, he just he he looks like he should be a good player. He's got the pace. But he just doesn't have that that oomph to be able to carry that on consistently. So then you're looking at you know people like Lauren Shanklin, who could come in and score goals. But the guy who I think might be the one who does it, and um, Hearts fans will, will not like me for this. I think Kevin Nisbet could be the guy who mm. is the answer to Steve Clark's out and out striker uh, problem that he has. Um, because he's scoring goals for fun in the in the Premiership, maybe it's time for him to have that chance for a step up. Because you know there's not a great deal out there that Clark has to choose from uh, that scores goals. Um, maybe Kevin Nisbet's answer. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. So that's the Scotland games over now till March, and then obviously it's the countdown to the European Championships. But also it the, back in the, the nation. Is it seven games in a week, Nick, in March? Yeah, <laughs> I know. That, yeah. It? It, 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 it just feels a bit weird, right? Going from two international games back in the day. Remember that? Back in the day. No, I can't remember. And then, <laughs> you know, go, going from three, uh, three games a week now. You know, it's like um, first game Sunday, Wednesday. You know, Saturday, Wednesday, Either, you know, and yeah, I guess it's a bit mad. Do you know what I mean? In, in some ways, I can see it's, it's a bit frustrating. I mean, we've spoke about international football before, and I don't. I think with COVID, it's probably not the right time to be having all these matches. But no. for Steve Clark, if you think about that, when you were talking about the two, two games in a week, three mm-hmm. games in a week is actually giving Steve Clark a bit of time to work with this side. I mean, yeah, if you. Well, if you I mean, I suppose it has its benefits as well. Yeah, I mean, if you think about, I mean, if we were to rewind our show to, you know, that first game against Israel at Hamden, um, and you I thought you were going to see rewind the show to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, start again. But well, that's probably what Steve Clark thought. Because when you think about that, like when we we were bemoaning Scotland's performance it was dire there was nothing and so if you take that performance there against Israel and you fast forward it to the game um, against Israel even in Israel just there or even Serbia and Slovakia it almost looks like two different sides mm-hmm. and I think yeah. a lot of that is because they've had time to, to work together and have games together um, the only thing I would say about the March thing is that it's a shame that we have such a gap before the Euro 2020 tournament where they probably won't work together. Yeah, because but, you're on a bit of a high now, and you know. Yeah, and also uh, there's a there's a little matter of a World Cup draw coming up in a few weeks' time. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Scotland are in what is it pot C we're in, um, the third pot. So you know, the chances are we're going to be coming up against one, if not two, pretty big European sides in the qualifiers. So 
you know, Scotland are going into this with a bit of um, confidence, I think. So, ne- never mind. We'll take it penalties and we'll win. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> we are the penalty experts now. It's um, amazing we can score all these penalties, but nobody could blow and score in the night. Uh, no. 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I, I dread to say this, but even when A. Fanny came on for Israel, we couldn't score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Email was in. No jokes. No, no, don't, don't, no. Um, what I about you say pictures? Yeah, yeah. Evan smokes it on now, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so that. <laughs> Um, that's a Scotland game over till March. Let's speak about Malcolm Mackay now because it came out, I think it was yesterday, was it, that he stepped down from her role at the SFA? I mean, this, this was a strange one because I think, I mean, if you remember a few weeks ago, the SFA were talking about, you know, having to cut a lot of staff because, um, because COVID has impacted their profit margins. So I actually thought then that Malky Mackay might have been in a bit of problems anyway. But, you know, he managed to stay in post and obviously the Euro 2020 qualification means that the SFA probably will have enough money now to be able to keep staff on because because of that uh, medical result in Serbia. So to be honest, after the qualification happened, I was a little bit surprised that Malky Mackay did step down from his role. He's been in it four years uh, when he was given the job, I remember there was a bit of outcry because of all the, you know, the reasons why he left Cardiff. Um, there was a few issues with that, um, and the fact that the SFA gave him that job, I was a bit surprised at the time. But and mm-hmm. and his time with the SFA, he has over, oversaw um, the development and strategy and player pathways of the national squads. Um, and you know, you know, obviously in the four years that he's been in post, we went from not looking like qualifying. For for tournaments to to qualifying for tournaments finally so. But you know. do, do you not find it a bit odd how um we've uh, we've qualified for a tournament and he's he skipped down? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he he himself said that you know I think he said that because we're finally qualified, it's a nice time to to step down and give somebody else a chance at it. Um, because we have had this role for a while and it's not made much of a difference, I don't think, to the Scottish development um, up until Malky Mackay. And then obviously he's came in and for the last four years we've seen a lot of younger players come through that maybe haven't done before. Uh, we've seen players that haven't went through the big teams we've spoke about you know, this before. We've seen players who have come through from the smaller, no offence, but smaller sides in Scotland coming through. And people like Robertson who have come through from nothing and been dropped by Celtic have come through Queen's Park and then went on to teams like Liverpool and came through that way. So we have seen different pathways for players, uh, whether it's through big sides or smaller sides, being able to get into Scottish football. And that's the positive. However, again, when you look back, you know, it was only a few months ago we were talking about Malcolm McKay wanting to leave to go to Dundee United. So uh, there's obviously something there. He's obviously wanted to leave that role for a while, I don't know why. Uh, maybe he wants to get into a more hands-on job. And yeah, you know, no, he's, he's to... not really come out. But it's one of the ones there where what's the space? Where big question mark? But you, you actually, yeah, I actually forgot he was there, Matthew, because there's so many people that went into the SFA, and you think, oh, I, he, he was there doing his job, you know, who was it, the, uh, somebody connected to, was it the Labour Party? 
uh, a few years ago that he went into. Remember, it was a. They were making a um, a, a kind of big report about Scottish football. Yeah, um, yeah, Henry Hen McLeish. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, and I don't know if he. Well, I think he's not there now, but it's amazing how many people go down to the SFA and then when when they leave the SFA, you're like that. Oh, I forgot he was there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's two sides to this story. I mean, when you look about these last four years, if you think about it, you know, I would say the Scottish FA has came on uh, and leading and nurturing, you know, the Scottish game as a whole. You know, if you look at the, Scot- the SFA from bottom up, you know, I think it's more passionate, it's more knowledgeable about uh, systems and coaching. You have committed coaches around, and when you look at the under-21s, uh, you know, Scotland nearly qualified for the tournament. Unfortunately, we never qualified for the European Championships for under-21s, but we were close to do it. And I think there's a new generation of confident, brave, and quite technical players that are coming through. Um, and a lot of that could be down to Malky Mackay, and how he's changed uh, the Scottish FA roles and the strategy of the whole SFA to getting players from you know young levels all the way through the system to the international full team. Um, mm-hmm. So that side of it's been good. But then on the other side, you know, Scottish football is a strange thing because when I was a young, way way back, it doesn't seem that long ago actually, but it must be. You know, when I came home from school and my friends came home from school, the first thing you do, I think, would be throw your bag through the door and go out and play football. And the place would be full of people playing football, you know, whether it was down in what we would call the kicky, which was a grit, grit pitch, or whether it was on a big grass pitch, or whether it was an turf. There was always kids playing football, and we were comfortable playing football, and we had a chance to do it. But when you look at people now, I know COVID's affected that, but even before COVID, there's not as many kids going out and just playing football now. Mm. Uh, now, whether that's because a lot of kids these days are going into the coaching sessions with you know the Scottish FA coaching badges and Scottish FA um, courses and stuff like that whether more kids are doing that that's fine but I think sometimes it's good to have the coaching it's good to go through that have a team it's good to have that chem- that um, you know the ability to teach young players the technical side of the game and the tactical side of the game but sometimes you know players kids these days just want to become comfortable in the ball and the more you play football I think whether it's coached or not the more comfortable you are playing it and it seems to me Scotland's maybe turned into a nation of kids that aren't so um aren't so happy and aren't so like keen to be playing football all the time Mm. Um, and that's a sad thing because when you look at even the Lisbon Lion era and stuff like that you know players like that weren't coached they were just told to go out and express yourself as a kid and then as you got older you know you might be coached into a formation as such but you were still allowed to express yourself now Mm. everything seems a bit more um, you know trained into you taught into you you've got a role do that role do nothing else sort of thing so yeah Welke McKay's done a lot of positives for Scotland but there's still a lot of work to do I think in Scotland as a whole yeah. to get our systems up to a level where we can compete again regularly and <clears throat> so so there you go um, about Scotland and Malcolm McKay um, uh, you know I think there's more to that story but we'll keep buying it over the over the coming weeks here or, maybe check your WhatsApp group yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I've I've just caught on to that joke. <laughs> I was like, "What's up?" What, what you think that? I, I remember that. Yeah. Um. So it's back to the bread and butter this weekend. Uh, back to the football in Scotland, and um, we'll speak about some of the games. Um. Let me just run down the game for you this weekend. Then, uh, Dungey Mickey Hamilton, Hibs Celtic, Kilmarnock, Ross County. Levinskin Smithen, St. Johnson is at home to Motherwell and the big game on Sunday um, on Sky Sports because Sky can only cover one Scottish football game. That was a wee dig there. Um, a, a, a Rangers, I thought you were going to say one Scottish team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rangers against Aberdeen is at 12 o'clock. Okay, let's start by talking about the Dundee and Aikig and Hamilton game. Um, that's, <clears throat> that's a very interesting game because, you know, you, you, know, you would say Dundee Mikey gives Oggs on favourites uh, to win that game. But Dundee and Mikey are a very funny team. Um, you know, they blow hot and cold. And Hamilton are a very, you know, surprising team, Matthew, because they can go home and away and they can pick up a point or even three points as well. So that's why difficult to call this game. I mean, Hamilton's... Hamilton's one of these things. I mean, obviously, we've spoke about Hamilton and the fact that we thought they were going to go down. Uh, and we've said that probably for every year since they came up. And they've managed to hold their own. Uh, and this year's been difficult for them. I mean, if you think about the last five games for Hamilton, I think they've, they've lost four of them and drew the other. So they're not in a great run of form. However, again, when you look at the points tally, those around them probably aren't either. They're only a point off St. Martin. They're only, you know, they're still in touching distance of teams like Livingston. So, you know, Livingston, Hamilton can sort of draw out points and can draw out wins when they're not expected to. Um, and I think this weekend there's a chance that they could still, you know, they could get they could get something from this game. But I think we'll see in the next few weeks where we're at with Hamilton because, like I said, the run of uh, form has been atrocious in the last five games, but we know what they can do. Um, so I think if they're going to start to do something, they might have to start doing it soon. And games like this are, are games where Hamilton could and should be picking up points if they want to survive. Because, you know, like I said, 12 games in, they're still in touching distance. But that the form for Hamilton concerns me a little bit. And as well, I think another thing is that, you know, defensively, um, I think that there's a bit of a worry there as well because they've conceded 33 goals this year. So, yeah, um, goals. Yeah. yeah, their 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 goals, uh, goal difference tallies minus twenty, which is by miles the worst in the division. So, I I, th- I think if they're going to start performing, they have to start doing it soon. We know that they can put up a fight, they can pick up points. They're they're well they're well trained in getting out of relegation, but their form worries me. Their defence worries me. They are scoring goals. They've scored uh, they scored they've scored thirteen goals this season, which is about average for the bottom what was it about 8, 9, 10, 11, 12th in the league uh, their goal scoring record is actually quite good um, but yeah it's the, the goals against for Hamilton is the concerning point and th- yeah they are likely to concede goals at any moment and like I said they've lost four of the last five um, 
I would suggest they might, if they're going to do something this weekend, they're going to have to start showing it now. They've had a bit of a break. Not many of their players have went away for internationals, so they'll be coming back fresh. Um, but I do worry about them. Um, so what about the the next game then on the card tomorrow? Um, well, it's a good game. Hibs against Celtic. Hibs, I mean, I saw Hibs last week, Matthew, and they were miles ahead um, in the League Cup against Dundee. And it wasn't until Dundee equalised. Hibs were like that. Oh, won a game here. And they won 4-1. Um, Celtic... Well, oh, they've had about, what, about 13, 15 players away on international duty. Before that, they had a good performance against Motherwell. Uh, in fact, that was one of the best um, performances this season, I would say. So, this is quite an interesting game. Well, I think Celtic Motherwell was probably one of their best performances of the season. It was slim pickings, though, to choose. The best performance of the yeah. season. Um, I mean, Celtic, on paper, that looked like an absolute hammering for, for Motherwell. And, um, but I think during that game, there was points where Celtic struggled. Motherwell did create chances. Um, like I said, they, they drew it back to 2-1 at one point. So Celtic were looking quite shaky. I know they went on to then finish Motherwell off. But they did, there was points in that game where Celtic were pretty shaky. Before the last international break, I thought Celtic were coming into it not in great form, but they were winning most of their games. The international break last time threw them completely. There was a lot of COVID incidents. Um, players came back fatigued, and Celtic then went on to have probably their worst run of results for a long time. And obviously, I think Neil Lennon's hoping and praying that that doesn't happen this time because they're in a bit of a perilous situation. They're about nine points behind Rangers with... It's really a bit weird that you should say that because I haven't heard any reports yet, Matthew, uh, about any or any, no matter if it's Celtic or any, any players for any teams has come back because they've been uh, positive, um, you know, tested positive for coronavirus. So you would say that's a good thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not hoping that that's the case. <laughs> um, but like for anybody, but I think no. there's there's already been issues. I think with the Norwegian pair, it was Ayer and Elinusi. There was a bit of a caught up with oh, that yeah, with yeah. COVID, yeah. Um, and that was before. And obviously today's Friday, um, and there's not been anything as yet. But um, obviously you hope that there's not. But I suppose it wasn't even just the COVID situation too. It was just the fatigue situation. Um, I know Edward had played a lot of games. I think Edward scored again for the French under twenty one side. But he's played a lot of football. McGregor's played a lot of football. Christie's played a lot of football. And so it goes on. So I think, you know, Hibs are maybe coming into this a bit more fresher in the sense that they've not had to have a lot of travel. Um, Celtic, I mean, for all the bemoan Celtic's performances, they have won three of the last uh, five games. Uh, Hibs have been a bit more hot and cold. They have won two, lost two, and drew, drew one of the last uh, Five games, but like you said, I think Hibs can be hot and cold when they look good. They are good and they are scintillating when they're poor. You know they can be got at. They concede goals. They don't look like scoring. Um, so I think this game has the making. I think the, pre- the makings of a good game. Pressures on Celtic. Celtic have to win. I don't. I, I think normally in a season you would think, oh well, 
they don't have to win this game as such. But if Celtic don't win this game, then all the pressure will be on uh, Neil Lennon again in Celtic. Um, so it's it's one of those games. I think if, like I said, ten in a row season, it's a must win for Celtic. It'll be interesting to see how how everybody is after the international break. And for for Neil Lennon, he's just hoping that it's not a complete disaster like the last international break and they hit the hit a brick wall almost. Yeah, because the, the the first game back was against Rangers, was it? We all know how that turned out for them. Yeah, um, and this isn't a this isn't a small game, you know. I think if Celtic were playing maybe you know Hamilton, Hibs, or sorry Hamilton or St. Mirren or Livingston or a team like that, mm-hmm. you'd be a bit more confident. But can you think of a harder place to go coming back off international games than Easter Road? Yeah, I know. So, I mean, Celtics always think it difficult there. And don't forget that when Neil Lennon was a manager there, he beat Celtic uh, a few times there. I mean, did I, was the last time Celtic won at Easter Road, did Van Dyke not score? Uh, oh, God, that was a while ago, Matthew, if it was. And you, and you think about that, that's how long I think it's been since Celtic have won Easter Road. Yeah. Well, no, uh, no. Uh, we can Google it. We can Google that. But like, yeah, if that's true, if that's true, then you know, if I say if that's true, I said it. But you know, what I mean, <laughs> if that's true, that lie I just made up there. <laughs> no, I think the last time Celtic won Van Dyke possibly was playing or scored, and and that that is a long time. And now you're expecting to go to Easter Road, and Celtic have got to win to stay in the title race and keep the pressure on Rangers. Mm. It's a pretty nightmare the scenario. Yeah, but but remember that they went to Isker Road uh, when Brendan Rodgers left and uh, they won. That was one of the first games they played in the Scottish Cup and they beat Hibs, was it 2-1, 2-0? Was that in the Scottish Cup? Yeah, that um, was in the Scottish Cup, yeah. Because yeah. I remember they were playing Hearts on the Wednesday and, uh, and then they played Hibs on the Saturday night. So, yeah, so it might be the league games I'm talking about. Um, yeah. But again, like, I mean, for a team like Celtic, if that, I mean, if that is the case, that um, what I think uh, in league football, then that, that is a long time to be not winning at a place like Easter Road. And it, mm. I think it does show you, I mean, no matter when, when was that cup game? Um, oh, two years ago now, no. Yeah, so that's, even the fact, that's two years since Celtic won at Easter Road. Maybe, maybe um, three. Oh, yeah. yeah, so that's a while, so... Yeah. I think it shows you, I mean, I, I think there was the last few Celtic games I've been at Easter Road that's been a draw or Hibs have won and uh, it's not an easy place to go. If I was Neil Lennon, I would be a bit worried, but you're, again, for him, he's hoping that everybody comes back and everybody's fit and, um, you know, they can be raiding for, to go for a title race. There's not a lot of room for errors now. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even though they've got two games in hand, nine points behind, it doesn't look great. Um so I think Celtic have to have to win, and you're hoping, yeah, like I said, that we've not heard anything really about the COVID situation as yet. You're hoping for Celtic that you know everybody comes into this and can you know start start the ball rolling again with the the hunt for ten for Celtic. But um, Hibs themselves, you know, they they also like I said their their form has been up and down. So I think Jack Ross will be hoping that for, for his side they can get a bit of consistency again um, he probably wouldn't want the first game to be after the break to be Celtic East Road either mind you mm. um, but yeah for them I think it's just a matter of starting to get results again after what was a disappointing result in the Scottish Cup semi-final I think Hibs just want to get back on 
in on the winning ways again and um, get the European um, place that's up for grabs back in their sights again. They're only two mm-hmm. points off Aberdeen, so um, it's a big game for them too. But obviously, I think it's a bigger game for Celtic. And then, <clears throat> so that's tomorrow. Um, another game come out in Ross County, Levinskin and Motherwell. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Levinskin St. Mervyn um, <clears throat> tomorrow. Um, the other games, Johnson um, is at home to Motherwell. And then the, the big game on Sunday, the big news coming out of Rangers this week, the Rangers against Aberdeen and... Um, don't know if you remember, Matthew, uh, after the come out game, uh, Rangers players Jogging Jones and uh, Jogs Echoes, Echoesman ha, um, has been banned by the SFA for seven games because they attended a house party. Yeah, well, I think Rangers Aberdeen has now become the COVID derby, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> everyone's yeah. having parties. Um, so, oh God, I mean, I think I think it's a fair for the Scottish FA. I think the seven game bans um, are appropriate, and I think Rangers don't really have a problem with it either. I think um, they they have said that you know the ban shows the seriousness with which COVID protocol breaches will be dealt with, um, and I think the SFA have have done the right thing. It's not over for them. I think Jones. I mean, Jones and Edmondson they weren't in Rangers first team. Uh, they were they were kind of on the bench or the periphery of maybe the bench, um, and because of that, I think you know to get into this Rangers team. I mean, Rangers are by miles on form team in the country, uh, domestically and in Europe. So for those two to get into that Rangers team or threaten to get into that Rangers team, they would have had to have not only performed at the level of the current eleven, but outperformed the current eleven to get into that side. And when you're then not only doing that, not doing that, but you're also then going out and having going to parties and having you know COVID nineteen breaches, then I think possibly for these two, it could be the end of their Rangers careers before it really even starts. Um, and it's sad for them, but I think that's the nature of where we're at. They're not going to get in the Rangers team because they're not playing that well. Um, and when you're doing that, then it just it shows disrespect and lack of safety really for the rest of the squad. Yeah, so I, I mean. Think I mean, it really good shows you that they think they're big. They think they're bigger than everybody else. Yeah, it doesn't. And if you're a player, you know, and you're in the Rangers team, you're looking at that and going, "We're going. We are nine points clear in the Scottish football Premiership. You know, we're going. We've won nearly what? Most, we've won five games in a row in this in the Premiership, and you guys are doing that. You know, it's not really acceptable. And no, I think. I th- but, but you know, apart from those, that situation, Rangers are coming into this in good form, and you know, I've not heard of any injuries or worries um, from Rangers players come back from international football either. So, the, you know, this game's a massive game playing an Aberdeen side who have won three of the last five, um, and I think this is a big test for this Rangers team coming into it. Uh, this these suspensions won't have helped, but like I said, they want mainstays in the team. So I think Rangers will be coming into this knowing that if they win. It sets a massive marker in this Premiership race. Um, if Aberdeen can go and get something, I mean Aberdeen are only three points off Celtic, would you believe? Aberdeen's <laughs> got a, a, Aberdeen's got a decent record get Ibrox last year as well. Yeah, and I I think this is probably I mean, considering you'd have thought the Old Firm would have been the biggest one, I think this will be the biggest test for Rangers as Aberdeen at home. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think given that it's off the back of international football, again for Rangers, if you were going to choose a game to play against after an international break, it would not be Aberdeen. No. Um, but, that, but Aberdeen have had players away as well, so it'll be interesting to see how they've got on with the COVID situation too. Um, but yeah, I think this is the biggest game of the weekend. For uh, Well, it's the top four are playing against each other. Uh, both yeah. of the games will be massive, but Rangers-Aberdeen could be an absolute cracker. And like I said, I think by the end of play on Sunday will be a lot clearer, I think, as to where the title race is heading. Yeah, and also next uh, week, Celtic and Rangers is back in a um, European football action. Uh, God, so we, do we have to have the last one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we, um, yeah, on the first night they're carrying the salt tyre for, for Scottish football. Um, so let's move on to... And neither of them will probably. Yeah. Um, well, just quickly as well, I, I think another big game you mentioned that actually, and I think was it Livingston St Mirren you mentioned? Yeah, 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 yeah. That that game will be a cracker as well because obviously Livingston are what was it? I mean, I think was it Livingston are four points ahead of St Mirren. I mean, St Mirren have a few games in hand. That's only uh, plus side for St Mirren because obviously with the COVID situation. Yeah. They've missed a, a few games. Three or four games, or something. yeah. Yeah, but again, it depends what the the SPFL do about that as to where the points go, whether they're played or whether St Mirren drop points or whatever. But there is a four point gap currently between St Mirren and Livingston going into this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Livingston were to win that, what where does that leave St Mirren and Hamilton ultimately? Mm, it's uh, they could yeah. be marooned at the bottom, you know. So that game for St Mirren is huge because St Mirren don't want to be cut adrift uh, at such an early stage of the season, but there's a potential for that to happen in the Livingston game. Yeah. Um, okay, so Glasgow City, Matthew, um, we, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of doing well in penalty shoots, and National team won, wins in penalty shoots, and Glasgow City won in penalty shoots as well. We, uh, last, uh, was it Wednesday night? Yeah, yeah it was Wednesday night. Or was it yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 with COVID, all the days change. But, um, I mean, Glasgow City, I mean, the, champ, the Women's Champions League changed this year slightly because of COVID, I think. I think it's more it's more on like a sort of knockout basis, more than a group stage thing. So that, in some ways, has, has resulted in Glasgow City having a bit of a tougher time because they could get bigger teams more early in the tournament. Um, and, you know, Valor from Iceland... Um, was one of those teams where you're thinking, goodness, they've got to go away to, to Reykjavik and be able to pick up the win. And they managed to do that. You know, I think they were 1-0 up. Uh, Leanne Crichton scored um, from close range in the second half. So it looked like, you know, Glasgow City were going to go through in, um, in normal time. However, you 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 said that it was like Scotland. And it was it's funny because, you know, Valor scored an equaliser um to force extra time so just when Glasgow City looked like they were going to do it in normal time they conceded an equaliser so it was quite similar in that regard yeah but it went but it went all the way you know it wouldn't be Scottish football whether men's or women's without it being a bit dramatic and you know it went all the way to penalties and Glasgow City won was it 4-3 on penalties in the end yeah Um, yeah yeah so it's been a it's been a great start of the season to Glasgow City you know they played they played, was it Wolfsburg, way back in, was it August now? Uh, September, was it? Uh, they played Wolfsburg in the Champions League from last year. And even though they got beat, it was a, a decent um, 
a decent performance from Glasgow City, and they've started the league form in pretty good fashion as well. So they were coming into this game with confidence. They went through to the last 32 of the Champions League. Glasgow City are actually doing pretty well at the moment. Um, and possibly the reason why they're doing well, they've, not only have they been playing well in Europe and building up to this level, but they've now got um, really hard challenge in domestic football too. And I think that raises the bar. Because, like you see, the men's game, you know, Celtic Rangers dominate and, you know, they, they don't have a lot of challenge uh, challengers and because of that, they struggle in Europe. But Glasgow City, you know, they've got a challenge in the domestic game now with Hibs and um, Hart. Well, not, maybe not so much Hearts after the Celtic Cameron that Celtic gave them. But they've got Hibs, they've got Spartans, they've got, uh, they've got uh, Rangers. Um, so there are challenges in the Scottish game domestically now for Glasgow City and not only are they meeting those challenges they're now taking that onto a European stage as well so uh, well done Glasgow City Yeah no yeah they, yeah, they've been doing well and again um, I was making the joke they're about carrying the solitaire flag but I think they'll be carrying the, the flag for women's football as well Matthew and it's good to see you know yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, I actually thought Glasgow City would be um, in a bit of difficulty now because I, I sort of suggested that when we had the guest on. When did we have your guest on? It was yeah, uh, um, uh, oh, I, I feel my, I, it was when they played that uh, Champions League quarter uh, final, was it? Yeah, that's right, Wolfsburg. Yeah. Um, so that was a while ago, and she was really intelligent and brought in a lot of information to the women's game that I didn't know. But we were talking about how Glasgow City would be affected by you know Celtic becoming professional, Rangers becoming professional, Hibs becoming professional, and you know I think the the idea was that the the bar would be raised, um, and the worry was that Glasgow City, given that you know they've dominated Scottish women's football for a while now, may not be able to keep up with Celtic and Rangers in particular. Um, but not only have they managed that, they're exceeding at it. So um, fair play to Glasgow City. It's, it's great to see. Yeah, yeah, good to see. And we, obviously we'll keep tabs on them uh, in the coming weeks when, when the league games as well. Uh, um, so good, good work to them. Um, another big event this weekend... <laughs> And it's Scotland, they're playing France in the Autumn Test uh, Nations Cup uh, at Murrayfield on Sunday, Matthew. Yeah, it's a massive game. It's good to see um, international rugby back. I mean, Scotland, it's quite positive. It's a bit like the football, you know, Scotland. I mean, Scotland still have a number of things to improve. Um, but, you know, they did on, on Saturday, they beat Italy, making it five wins in a row. And for Scotland's rugby team, that's the first time since 2011 that Scotland have won five games on the spin. So um, Italy was tight, you know, they were trailing 11-7 in Florence. And normally I say Rome, but they played in Florence. They were trailing 11-7, <laughs> uh, but they did fought back, they fought back brilliantly to, to win 28-17. And they got a bonus point because of that. So now they take on France. Now France are informed. Um, so even though Scotland are in form, France are in form as well. So it looks like it's going to be a collision almost of titanic uh, proportions. Um, so, you know, the, Scotland have played well against Italy. They've managed to come away with a win. They're on five wins in a row. Um, it's, it's going to be some game at Murrayfield and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's the first time for a while I can say I'm looking forward to the Scotland-France game with actual confidence that we could actually get something from it. 
Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, in fact, I think it was last week, um, we reported on the women's rugby game, Matthew, um, that all the England games were off because of the coronavirus, but it's good to see that uh, rugby is back on, and good to see Scotland in a big international game, but, I mean, it's good to pity again when we're talking about international games, big games of football, rugby, whatever it is, and there's no fans there. I know. Well, this weekend, would you believe, um, I mean, it's my, my daughter's birthday this weekend, so happy birthday to my daughter. Um, but the reason I remember it is because this weekend should have been Scotland against the All Blacks at Murrayfield. And that would have been, you know, a big occasion, 67,000 sellout. It would, there would have been a light show before it, which there normally is. It was just going to be an amazing occasion. And yeah, we're playing France, which is just as big an occasion in some ways. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's not going to be any fans at all. So Scotland, Scottish rugby fans have missed out on uh, two big occasions that should have been this weekend. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, it's sad for them. But also, you know, the Pro 14 has been on. And one of the games is off again last, week, last weekend. We, we reported that, you know, the Dragons game against Glasgow was off. And this weekend, because of COVID, Dragons... Edinburgh is off, so now it's affecting both of the Scottish teams. So last week, yeah, it was Glasgow. This weekend, Edin- Dragons Edinburgh's off. Um, so COVID is is having an impact there. But also last weekend, you know, Edinburgh were playing Leinster, and I don't know if you saw the score, but uh, Leinster beat Edinburgh fifty ten. So it was a bit of a hammering, but you know, because of the COVID situation, because of the way the situation is with players, I think Edinburgh and Glasgow. It's a bit unrealistic, really, and it showed on when we played Leinster. Um, it was a bit unrealistic to expect Glasgow and Edinburgh to compete at the, at the top level of Pro 14 because with the COVID restrictions just and the Scottish players from those camps going on to the international games, there's just not enough quality players to be able to compete at that level. Leinster do have the numbers and absolutely hammered Edinburgh, but Glasgow and Edinburgh are suffering this year because of the COVID restrictions, the international players' call-ups, um, and because of that, the impact on the strength of depth of the squads, it's just not there. Yeah, I think it's wonder, Matthew, what sport will be like when fans go back to the games. Obviously, we saw fans going back to the was it Ross County Celtic game, but also they had uh, Ross County, was it Kamarnock the other week as well, and Aberdeen had a, a test game as well. Um, and I'm sure that Livingston put in a, a bid as well, but that was re- uh, rejected by the SFA. But I'd be weird to, to see fans back in the stadiums. Uh, obviously, it won't be this side of the year. It might be March into the new year before we see any fans, but are, are we are we real to see people actually physically there watching the game and Giga watching it on the TV? I think when Livingston put their bid, uh, I think their one fan was disappointed that he couldn't go. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those, I think... Public health has to come first. Uh, the way COVID's developing, it's it's quite hard to put a plan together because just when you seem to think you've got there and you can start doing this properly with socially distancing, um, it goes back the way and then the, the, everything snowballs and obviously the ban, bans getting let into stadiums goes back a, a step again. 
But mm-hmm. you're hopeful. You're hopeful because you know this. There might be a vaccine in the in the often. You might find that. Yeah, I don't think it'll be this side of the year. But you know, you're hoping maybe February, March time. Maybe you know before the Celtic Rangers game at least in March. You're hoping that fans will have be able to have the vaccine and then we'll be able to return to some sort of normality just before the close of the season in football and rugby. Yeah, of course, this um, news just came out yesterday in Scotland about a new vaccine, but obviously, um, yeah, so, so that's good news, fingers crossed. We, we, like, to, we like to speak about uh, all sports in this kind of show, and um, that's why we're number one for sport. That kind of gives a wee bit. <laughs> so now we're going to speak about ice hockey. If it wasn't cold enough, but we're going to speak about ice hockey. Uh, and uh, no, there's no games coming back, but my, I think you've got some news on uh, some new rules or that, Matthew. Well, um, it's uh, yeah, I mean, sadly, it's not the return of games as yet because obviously um, the Elite Hockey League and in, in the UK and Ireland had to cancel their season because really they they depend on fans coming through the door. Um, but with the further um, restrictions that have been in place, uh, the elite ice hockey league um, were struggling with money, and there was there was some worries to whether certain teams would be able to return. You know, definitely the smaller teams. But yesterday, uh, the UK government announced that ice hockey has been included as part of the three hundred million winter survival package, which does include a range of sports. I must admit, but four million at least of that money is going to be made available to the elite ice hockey league, which will mean at, at worst, at, at worst, it will mean that you know teams will survive. But what it could mean is at best, it could mean the return of ice hockey ice hockey as a sport sooner rather than later and we could have a mini league up and running so work is being done behind the scenes with the elite ice hockey league and other and the clubs uh, to show or to see what can be done by the sport uh, and to see whether they can push forward and maybe like I said at worst prepare for next year which is due to start in August uh, but at best you know it could be a return to ice hockey in January for a little money, money league season, um, which would be nice to see as well. So, um, yeah, it's good to see ice hockey finally getting some from some funds, and it's obviously a, a bit of a it eases the concerns of some of the clubs um, as to whether they can return because this money might secure their survival uh, during the COVID crisis. So, it's a bit of positive news. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit positive, and also I was just hearing um, but before we came on air that um, basketball, um, obviously um, basketball, Glasgow Rocks is the the local basketball team, and uh, they've they've got no they've got no um, kind of Emerson in place yet, but also they haven't been told when to go back. And apparently, Glasgow Rocks is a bit annoyed at that because they feel as though that they are one of the last sports could go back, Matthew. Because obviously, every 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 kind of sports back football, golf, rugby, what I and um, whatever, and they they feel as though that. Um, yeah, they, they feel as though that they're the last sport to go back and they're, they're not kind of like happy about it. But, uh, so, um, 
Let, let's move on to Matthew's NFL Roundup. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I quite like that, doing that voiceover. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Matthew's um, been doing this uh, detective work, or whatever they say, um, <laughs> about NFL. <laughs> Yeah. Well, before I talk about the NFL, I'd just like to say congratulations to the Wigan Warriors, uh, who last night got to the Super League final. Oh, um, well done, yeah. So yeah, they, they beat Hull um, last night at the DW Stadium in Wigan. So they're through to the grand final next week, and they'll play either St Helens, uh, who are the big rivals, or they'll play Catalan Dragons. Um, I'm a big Wigan Warriors fan, so that's why I just wanted to throw that out in there. <laughs> uh, but, but also yesterday, not only did... Uh, my beloved Cherry and Whites get to the Super League final, but also the and the NFL Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they won last night Thursday night football. Um, they beat they beat the Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, in a big uh, NFC West match. So really, that game was neck and neck. Uh, whoever won won that game really would be going on as favourites, possibly to win the NFC West and get into the playoffs. And the Seattle Seahawks done it. Um, by the skin of their teeth, 7.1 last night. So the Seattle Seahawks are looking good. Yeah, it was a big one for them last night. Uh, But the big games this weekend, uh, we have the Tennessee Titans are playing the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. They're coming off a loss last week. Um, But the main reason, again, um, I think to go for the Ravens is I think the Titans' defence isn't the best. They struggle with the run. Uh, and because they struggle with the run game, they may find it hard to figure out how to cope with the Baltimore Ravens, who do obviously like to run with the ball. So I think I'm going to go for the Baltimore Ravens in this game. Um, it'll be a struggle for the Titans to to really get their act together and be able to stop the Baltimore Ravens running game. So I think the Baltimore Ravens will win. Uh, on Monday night, we've got a big game. There, or Well, it's Monday night and the... And, and Monday morning in our one, sorry, Sunday night in the States, but Monday morning here, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs against the Las Vegas Raiders. And that's a big game because the Las Vegas Raiders this year are the only team that have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. And what happened after the game was I think the Las Vegas Raiders won the game and they were so shocked. They'd done a victory drive round the stadium about three or four times on their team bus after the game. And that, to be honest, had, pardon my French, peed off uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. So they're coming into this game enraged by Busket, which it's now called. Busket, number four. Yeah, bus- Busket, no more. Oh, no, Basket, no more. Uh, <sighs> so I'm, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they're one of the best teams in the league. And even though the Las Vegas Raiders did beat them last time, I think that thing with the bus uh, and the win in Kansas City may be the thing that just motivates the Chiefs. Uh, to go on and and win this game, uh, I don't think they'll be able to. Kansas, I don't think Las Vegas will be able to win twice a year against the Chiefs. So I think the I think the Chiefs will well go on and win that game in Las Vegas. And my last game is uh, Los Angeles Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one of the best teams in the NFC right now. Uh, you know they're balanced whether it's going forward or defend them. Um, but, you know, the Rams know what they have to do offensively to be able to do that. But it's going to be hard for them to come up against the Tampa Bay defence. And um, I'm not sure this, this game is going to be a close one. Um, I'd, I honestly don't know. I think the Buccaneers might slightly win this one, but it'll be close. It'll be close. 
So, um, and, and that's all the games on this weekend, Matthew, yeah? Well, there's other games, but I always like to choose them because, uh, you know, I know it's at the end of the show that we pile them in. If people want, I can go into every single game, but I know it's like... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so if you've got any uh, predictions about the games coming up, or even the football games, you can email us at indie... Uh, no, you, no, you gone. Um, you can email us at <laughs> lockerroomindivive at gmail.com. That's lockerroomindivive at gmail.com. You can also um, follow us on Facebook as well. Just, um, just give a note for your diaries that uh, the Scottish Open, I was looking back at this year, Matthew, but the snooker, your favourite sport, or one of your favourite sports, um, <laughs> are coming to Glasgow in December. Uh, it's part of the series where they go where they go to Belfast, Wales and England. Uh, this week, the over Matthew's make of the rugs in Belfast, so the Belfast's open for, for that one. Um, so, yeah, if you're a big snooker fan. But again, there'll be no fans getting in um, to, to that one. It's a shame because there was fans getting into the the Crucible this year for the European Champion. Um, sorry, no, the, the World Championships. Um, but hopefully we'll see um, fans one day very, very soon, <laughs> but as I say, it won't be coming next year, don't now, Matthew? No, you know, it's a shame because the Scottish Cup final's coming up as well. And, yeah, that's it, that, yeah. And you know, it's... it's, it's well, as well for football fans and, you know... It's one of the biggest occasions, really, in the Scottish football calendar as a one-off. And, you know, Celtic mm. Hearts is like a... It's, a it's still game, a massive yeah. game, yeah. And you would have easily have had 50-odd thousand in there at that game. Um, and it's a shame that I think it's the week before Christmas or the weekend before Christmas we're going to have a Scottish Cup final, which is unique in itself. But there'll be no fans at it. Yeah. Um, but but also the you know the League Cup's coming up. You know I think Air United, Dundee, and Falkirk. Um, you know Air Air are playing Livingston, which is a, a biggest game. Uh, Dundee are playing Hibs, which is a massive game too. And Falkirk are playing Rangers. And those lower league teams would normally have loved to. Keep, came up against the Premiership teams yeah. because obviously it's money making mm-hmm. for them for mm-hmm. the year yeah. um, and not only will they not have that but they'll have the additional Covid tests that they've got to do so for those teams to play against Premiership teams they're going to have to pay out for Covid tests to allow, allow them to play Livingston uh, yeah, Hampton Rangers right, yeah. so it's it's quite it's quite sad but it's weird for those three because teams not facing Premiership teams will not be required to do Covid tests Hmm, that's, it doesn't seem great, that. <laughs> it's strange, doesn't it? So if you're playing a Premiership team, which, okay, that's the way it is because Premiership's obviously playing, uh, those three teams will have to have COVID tests. And then if you're if you're playing someone else, you don't. So it's one rule for one and one for one another. One rule for another, yeah, it's not, not right. But, uh, okay, so um, you have been listening to The Locker Room here on Indie Live Radio. We're here every Friday night between 6 and 7. Don't forget you can listen to the podcast as well. Download the podcast and you can listen to me and Mike, me and, me and Michael, me and Matthew's uh, dulcet tones speaking about 
sport of the week. Uh, every Friday that is. So um, yeah, well, have a good week, and we'll see you soon. And keep it here on Indie Live Radio.